Let's get real, let's get inspirational, a little bit emotional, and let's shed some sunshine. This is the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Welcome! Good day and happy Wednesday and welcome back to the Sunshine Steven Podcast. I took a month off. Yeah, it was like four four weeks, so four episodes and I think a weekend special. Sorry. Um, but yeah, hope everybody's been staying safe and enjoyed their Thanksgiving holiday if you celebrate or just, you know, if you had time off or anything like that. Um, don't forget we're still in the pandemic, so wear your mask, wash your hands, and stay your distance. Um, so yeah, I did have to take some time off. There was some family um, stuff that came up and don't want to get too much into it because I'll get super emotional because it's still like an open flesh wound. Um, but my sister ended up passing. Um, so I just wasn't in the right uh, mind set to record and everything. But I do appreciate everybody that reached out and sent flowers and was positive um, and sent that positivity my way. And so um, I'm trying to get back into it. So um, I feel like <laughs> I've forgotten a lot already, even with the systeming and everything like that. So just bear with me. But today's episode is super special, super fun. Um, I have, uh, I had the opportunity because this was over a month ago. Um, I think it was November 7th that I actually, um, talked with Kevin and we, uh, it's just really good. It's it's very positive. Sun, it's sunny and spreading sunshine and everything. And I don't want to give too much away. So let's get right into it, shall we? Well, welcome, Kevin, to the Sunshine Stephen podcast. How are you? Sunshine Stephen, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Of Thank course. You. So I have to ask, since you are in, in LA in California, is it a sunny day there? Uh, actually it's very, the weather here has been extremely weird. Most oh. of the time it's, it's sunny and beautiful in Los Angeles. Um, but today it's kind of cold and rainy. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, t- today's an odd, an odd day in general, but a good day today. Uh, yeah. Joe Biden is the new president. Awesome. So hopefully, uh, you know, the sun will be shining soon and 2020 will start to turn around exactly yeah we're off to a great start so far in 2021 (laughs) january 20th i think is it the date so i can't wait yeah i always joked with people when i lived because i lived in florida most of my life and it is the sunshine state and i put that in quotes because it's really not it's never but i always hear that california and la is like usually sunny all year long and like the weather is one of the best things about it so yeah that's curious people who don't like LA and don't like California, they always say, I want to live somewhere where there are seasons. I want to experience the fall and the spring yeah. and winter because here it's kind of all the same all year round. In the summer, it gets really hot, you know, but not nearly as much as like New York or other parts of the country where there are stark differences. Yeah, no, that's how it was in Florida. You had like summer and then even hotter summer <laughs> and winter was like two days. It would get to like 60 65 and then that was it that's all, that's the whole winter there so I, I do enjoy North Carolina here having four seasons that's that's my favorite part right now um anywho so just wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself um give a little brief bio on who you are and then we'll get into 
um, why I asked you on here and your story and everything. Um, spoiler to listeners, it's all about motivating and everything like that. So I'll let you take it away and give a, a brief intro. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Kevin Nahai. I am a speaker and a coach. I'm 28 years old, born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, I work one-on-one with men and women in their 20s and 30s on a number of emotional, psychological issues. Um, my focus is working with people on, on a number of specific things that I have overcome myself. Um, so basically, my main areas of focus are dating and relationships, uh, whether that includes you know, how to attract your ideal partner, um, how to get through a difficult breakup, so forth and so on. Um, you know, what to do if your dating life is not going the way that you want. I work a lot on self-esteem and self-confidence issues with people. I work on body image disorders um, and eating disorders with my clients. Um, and then I also work a lot on anxiety and depression. Um, and so these are sort of my four areas of focus because these are the things that I have gone through and battled with and have been able to overcome. Um, you know, I see a lot of coaches and speakers out there who will talk about anything and everything under the sun that is quote unquote motivational, mm-hmm. um, but they haven't actually experienced it themselves. So if somebody comes to me and they say, I want to 10X my business, I say, okay, you got to go to a business coach. Right. You know, or if somebody comes to me with some very serious trauma that they went through as a child, for example, I say, okay, you need to go to a clinical psychologist. But if somebody comes to me with, you know, a fairly common issue that I have gone through and that I've been able to overcome myself, then my mission is to be able to give them practical tools and solutions and tell them, okay, this is your problem, right? We've established what your issue is, what the pattern is. Let me actually help you figure out a solution. Let's figure out where we're going to go from here, rather than keeping it in this sort of, you know, lofty cerebral realm of be happy and accept yourself and, you know, just be positive and everything will fall into place. All of that advice is well and good, but my mission was really uh, giving people solutions and saving them time so that whatever they're experiencing, if I've gone through it myself and I've learned how to overcome it myself, I can actually, you know, give them those solutions and and give them sort of a bag of tricks to keep in their back pocket. Definitely. And I think it's super important. I'm 27 and I feel like everything you've listed in my twenties, I've gone through. I always joke with my friends because around the same age group and we're all like, I'm like thirties are looking pretty good because twenties are chaotic. And I mean, whether it be, like you said, like dating went through that, (laughs) <laughs> but then finally found somebody and got married early, but it is what it is and it's working out so far. So, <laughs> um, but everything like anxiety, eating disorders, everything that you've touched on, been there, done that. And I've known people. And I think it, I love that you brought up the fact that it is good advice to say, Hey, stay positive. Um, like, cool, great. Awesome. But then to go the step further to say, here are some tools I've done it personally. I think that's um, very powerful in that movement rather than, oh, just stay positive and stuff, which is still great. We still need that support, 
but going that extra mile is definitely, I feel like a lot of people could benefit from that, um, especially in their 20s, because there's a lot going on. 20s are a really, you know, volatile, tumultuous time. And it's, you know, I don't know, maybe back in the day, back in the 80s or 70s, it was, you know, the the greatest time of people's lives because mm-hmm. I don't know, they could raise more money, they could make more money, or they were raised differently, or, yeah. you know, society had different culture and different values than they do now. But the truth is that our generation, millennials, you're 27, I'm 28, mm-hmm. you know, we are the second highest users of antidepressant and anti-anxiety mm-hmm. medication right after uh, Vietnam War veterans. Oh. Vietnam War veterans are the only group of, the only cohort of Americans who are more depressed and more anxious than millennials are. Oh, and wow. this is supposed to be the time of our lives and this is supposed to be the time when we're discovering things and getting education and getting into relationships and so forth and so on. And instead we're just, you know, for the most part, a lot of, a lot of millennials are extremely confused and st- mm-hmm. extremely unhappy extremely depressed and uh you know we don't know how to have good relationships and our our dating lives are all over the place and this is it's not a judgment you know these are all things that that i went through myself and you know people always ask me well most of my clients are older than me most of my clients are like in their 30s you know they'll always say to me well like why should i take advice from a 28 year old you know why should i how how would you know how are you able to coach me And the answer is that I went through the shit at an early age, right? You know, my story, my, my story and my struggles really started when I was like 18, mm-hmm. 19 years old. That's when I was diagnosed with the chronic disease of the stomach um, that made me extremely sick. And, you know, I had to battle for my life. Then I became suicidal. I developed severe anorexia and I was anorexic for three years. I'm, I'm five foot nine usually around 180 pounds. And for three years, I was 112 pounds, Mm. you know, walking around like a skeleton. I lived in and out of the hospital. You know, I I was depressed. My anxiety set in around age 19, 20. Then I went through a series of, you know, relationships with with toxic breakups with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. I had like 15 different jobs and different careers, and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And you know, what my career trajectory was going to be. My self-esteem was in the toilet. And I kept looking around at all of my friends, you know, and and I just, I saw that everybody was like drinking and partying and having sex and quote unquote, having fun, but they were all just as sort of emotionally maladaptive and and messed up as I was. Um, You know, not all of them had the same uh, eating disorder or health problems, you know, we all have slightly different challenges, but it was so confusing to me why I was having such a hard time at this stage in life and why everybody in our age group was also struggling so much. You know, I, I, it was like, there's something missing here. There's something, you know, that's, that's not right about this picture. So I went to you know, a series of therapists. I started to turn my life around. I got my health back on track. You know, I read every book I could get my hands on about self-help and personal development and, you know, understanding what my problems were. But the issue that I kept running into, um, you know, when I, when I would go to therapy or, you know, when I would try to make real changes in my life, 
was that I got to the root of what my issues were, but that's where it ended. Right. Rather than, okay, this is what my issue is. Now, what do I do about it? And a lot of people come to me and they say, yeah, I've been in therapy for two or three years and I understand myself pretty well. And I understand how I got to where I am, but I can't seem to change it. I can't seem to actually fix it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't believe that anybody's problems are unresolvable. I don't believe that a person can't be fixed. A person can't be changed. And, you know, that their issues are irreconcilable or a person is irredeemable. I believe that anything you want, you can have. And any problem you have, you can fix. But you have to have the desire. uh, When I was deep in my depression and, you know, extremely sick and, and battling trauma and things like that, of course, at that time, I didn't have the real desire or the real will to be able to turn my life around. But, you know, I was able to do that starting around age 23, 24, 25. So, you know, now I'm 28, I'm still a young man, but I've experienced a lot. And I've, I've, you know, packed a lot into my 20s, which is how thankfully, you know, thank God, I'm, I'm now able to help other people. No, definitely. Not. I, I feel like I, I relate to that. Um, Cause I feel I get the same thing sometimes when even with my podcasting and stuff and anytime I try to, you know, give advice or anything, people are like, you're 27. Like, what do you really know? But I too experienced a lot at a younger age, um, which we won't even get into my childhood, but that was traumatic enough. But at 16, I lost my mom and I just, it just, my whole life that's when i i threw myself into deep depression suicidal and everything because i was 16 and i was like well i don't know what to do i'm i'm 16 like it's so it's so hard so then i kind of had to grow up and i'm i don't want to speak for you but maybe you felt the same way like you had to grow up quicker than others so i found myself yeah the same way where people even in college going out and partying and stuff like that i was just i was not into that I never get into that. Like I'm like, I'll have a glass of wine here or there, but I just never got into that. But I had to deal with a lot of that. And I feel like from, you know, 16 to 22, really, there was just so much that happened there that I was like, Oh wow. Like this happened for a reason. Maybe I should share and everything like that. But just like you said, you said it started around 19 and then around 23 was when it started to, So it takes time. And I feel like that's an important thing for people to understand. Of course it, it, it takes time. And first of all, my condolences about your mom. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing a little bit with me. Of course. My heart goes out to you for anything you've gone through. I wish I could take your pain away and put it on myself. Oh, thank you. Of course. Um, But yeah, it, you know, it, it takes time. And look, there are people who are 22 and they have been to hell and back Mm -hmm. and they have seen the ugliest sides of the world and they have a wisdom and a humility and lessons to share that you know monks who have been meditating for 20 years straight don't know right there are people who are 45 and you know they have a family and children and a job and they have the emotional maturity of like a toad Mm -hmm. you know so age is not always of course as you get older hopefully you get wiser but right age is not always the the determining factor of how much wisdom you have or what you've been through or mm-hmm. how much you're able to impart to others. Um, so definitely. definitely relate on that front. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like 
to jump into what made you want to start sharing your story and helping other people out? Was it just like for me, cause I start, I've been thinking about it for years and I was like, well, I want to write a book and I'm working on that. I want to do a podcast. I want to do stuff to put little nuggets out there. I haven't gone full force into it as you have, but um, just to start a little bit, like, was there a moment that you were like, Oh, like I need to help people. Like, what was that like for you? That's a great question. Um, so it's interesting. My entire life, I was always the person, even in like middle school, high school, who was giving other people advice. Mm -hmm. I was always the guy that people would come to and they would confide in me and they would tell me like their deepest, darkest secrets, you know, and I would never share about myself. You know, I was always sort of the repository of everybody's problems Mm -hmm. and I was there to support them and I was there to listen to them. And People would always tell me, oh, you got to write a book. You have to become a therapist. Like you were born to do this kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm not a therapist and I I didn't actually want to go down the the route of being a psychologist. That's a different story. But (laughs) my my entire life, I always always knew that I had, I felt this obligation to help people. And I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. But because I had never shared anything about myself and Mm. I had sort of suppressed my own emotional needs and I had sort of pretended that I don't have any problems because I was always in the role of helping other people. Then I sort of fed myself this this message that, you know, helping people is something that I can do on the side. Right. I'm never going to do it professionally. I'm never going to be good enough to do it you know, for a living. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. Like I don't really have that much good advice to share. You know, I'm just a good listener, things like that. But I tried so many different careers. I was a musician for many years. I worked in hospitality. I became a personal trainer. You know, I worked for the government. I went and got my master's degrees. I tried so many things, but in my heart, I always, wanted to do this. I always wanted to help people. I always wanted to speak. I always wanted to write. And from a very young age, I just had this fascination with, you know, what makes the difference in people's lives? Why are some people happy and successful and fulfilled? And why are other people just having the hardest time? What are the patterns that appear in people's lives? Why do we keep making the same mistakes over and over again? How do people overcome adversity this was like my, my fascination. So I don't know. I think I was just born with the desire and, and a feeling of obligation to be there for other people and to help people. But I was not fully able to do it mm-hmm. until I accepted that I have problems too. And I have a story to share and that, you know, my issues mattered too. Mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, I don't matter. I'm cool as a cucumber. It's all about everybody else. But you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm, true. You know, so I couldn't truly be there for other people until I accepted my own issues. I worked through my own issues and I started to believe that I deserve to be happy as well. I deserve to be fulfilled. And yes, I want to be in the helping role, mm-hmm. but I also need help. I also right. need support. So like I said earlier, you know, you, you hear a lot of speakers and coaches who, you know, don't always give the best advice, but there are also a lot of speakers and coaches and therapists and counselors out there who have a very messed up emotional life behind Mm -hmm. closed doors. 
And they're giving all of this advice and they're in that helping role, but behind closed doors, they're not fulfilled and they're not happy and they don't even have the things that they want. So that's how I was for many years, you know, like in high school and in college and stuff, I was always there to help people and to listen to them, but I was kind of giving them advice that like I was not practicing because I didn't feel like I deserved to be happy. I didn't feel like my own problems mattered. Once I took ownership of my own problems and started sharing my story and, you know, started working through my own issues and feeling fulfilled, then I was really able to step in this professional role of, you know, helping people for a living. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, when did that take place? Is this recent or have you been doing it um, for a while? I'm just curious to see Yeah. Um, well, when this journey started, I guess. <laughs> like I said, from a young age, like 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. 13 years old, I was always there to listen to people and help them through their issues. Um, but I launched my coaching business about two years ago. Um, I started speaking publicly to events and forums and seminars and stuff maybe three or four years ago. Wow. So, like, total, I've been doing this work for, you know, probably about four years. Um, but it was always what I wanted to do. And I just didn't always have the, the courage, you know, to, to step in. I, I didn't always feel important enough yeah. to actually do this. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad, though, that you you finally had the aha moment or whatever you want to call it to say, you know what, maybe I can do this. Cause I feel like we need more of that. We need more people that if you have, I feel like it's a gift really, because there's some people I know, no shade or anything, but they could care less about other people's problems. It's, it, you know, it's like to each their own, um, but to, to really care and want to take that burden off of somebody that really is a gift to, to in my eye. So I feel like um, it's, just really powerful and amazing that you were able to say, okay, maybe, maybe I'll do this. And now that you've been doing it for a while, that's really awesome. I feel like Thank you, we need more of that. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution and the podcast. I know you're all about motivating people and lifting them up and, you know, helping them through their struggle and being vulnerable is not easy. Oh no, it's not. But I've gotten to the point now where I feel like I've ugly cried so much in front of people. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if I could get through that, <laughs> I feel like I could, uh, get through anything. I don't know if I could ever do like a, uh, like in front of a lot of people. That's, that's a lot. How many people now this, now I'm going off topic. How many, like, what would you say is the largest, largest crowd of people that you've spoken in front of? Cause I would, I mean, I used to act, but that's different. Give me a character. I can do it, but be myself. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a funny question. People ask me, so I don't know, I think like the number two public fear, the the number two biggest fear people have is public speaking. You know, the number one fear is like heights, fear of heights, roller coasters or something like that. I don't know. I, the more people, the larger the audience, the better. That is where I feel most at ease, most comfortable, most at peace is when I'm talking to large groups of Mm -hmm. people. I've never had stage fright. I don't know no. if it's a natural gift that like God gave me or. Oh, it, it totally is. Cause I, even acting, I had stage fright where I would be shaking until I went on stage. And then right when I got off, I'd be like, I want to vomit. Like this is a lot. So yeah. that is a gift. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very blessed, but I'm, I was always a people person, you know, yeah. the more people that I could be around, 
the better. Awesome. Yeah, they. Uh, I think I, I had to take a public speaking class. It was a requirement in college. And I was like, oh, God. but it was only a class of, I think, maybe 20, 25 people. So if anything, it was like 19 or 24 people that I was speaking in front of, plus the professor. And I was like, oh, but I made really good, a really good grade in that. But it's still. So you was, got a knack for it, man. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Like, all right. And like, and the thing that really, thinking back now too, because like you said, being vulnerable is very, it, you know, it takes courage for sure and everything. And one of the speeches, because we had to go through different speeches, was um, an inspirational or motivational speech, like motivate or inspire somebody to do something, whether it be like, um, oh, adopt puppies and this is why or something like that. So I took a whole different route <laughs> and people's face like dropped because I started out super happy and was like, who remembers when they were 16 and what were you doing? Like, let me hear it. And they were like getting my car. I was dating. I was skipping school. Yada, yada. And I was like, can you guys believe what I was doing? They're like, what? And I was like, contemplating suicide. And everybody just got like super quiet. And I was like, no, is that a natural, not a natural thing. And then I went into like, everybody's life is worth living. Do not give up. And that was my whole motivation. And I think my professor, he literally, he left a note on the thing. It was like, that was one of the best speeches I've ever seen. And like everybody was just like taken aback. And I was like, oh, that was pretty proud. But I don't know if I could do that in a large crowd setting. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it shows that you have a knack for being vulnerable and for connecting with people. And obviously you have a story to share. Obviously you have a voice, you know, Definitely. so I... I really commend you. And that's, that's an, that's an amazing story. Well, thank you. Yeah. It it was one of my highlights of college for sure. Um, But back to you. (laughs) So um, one of the questions that I had um, was what are, and I always like to ask people and I guess motivation, inspiration, however you want to take it. Um, The question was share three things that motivate you, but I guess you could take it even further, deeper, three things that, you know, has you ticking or motivates you inspires you whatever however you want to look at it um i feel like sometimes motivation inspiration they're all interchangeable but if you if you had to think of like three crucial things that motivate you what would those things be sure um well first i'll just say something about motivation in general Mm -hmm. um if that's if that's okay of course yeah (laughs) so you know a lot of people um struggle with feeling with quote unquote, feeling motivated, mm-hmm. a certain thing, like, they'll say, I hate working out, I just can't feel motivated to mm-hmm. work out. Right. So they they think like, I need to exercise stronger discipline, or, you know, I need to work harder, I need to improve my metal, my mental strength, and so forth, and, and so on. But the thing about motivation is that it has to true, mo- true motivation comes naturally. Mm -hmm. So for example, the guy who gets up at 7am on the weekends to go play basketball with his friends, he doesn't need to feel motivated. He doesn't Mm -hmm. need to motivate himself from like some deep part of his soul to get up and go play basketball at 7am. That's what he wants to do. That's Mm -hmm. what he loves to do. Right. So that, that motivation is naturally there. Now, if you have to stick to a diet, or you got to work out, or you have some goal that's really difficult, you're not always going to feel naturally motivated. 
you know, and there are some things that, yeah, you really do have to bite the bullet and just work hard and, you know, grind to get the result that you want. Um, I'm never going to feel motivated to go to the DMV if I have to. No. <laughs> yes, 100%. I'm never going to feel motivated to stick to a really difficult diet or right. work my ass off, you know, to, to get to some goal that I don't really want to attain. Right. But the thing about motivation is that when, it, when it's not coming naturally, then you might need to take a step back and ask yourself if the goal you have set is the right goal for years for mm. yourself, or are you trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? Mm-hmm. Right? So if you have no motivation to do anything and you absolutely cannot, you just don't feel compelled to put in the work to get to that goal, then maybe that's a goal that was imposed upon you by your parents or right. society or somebody else, right? If it's the right goal for you, you're not going to feel motivated every day. And some days are going to be easier than others, but the motivation should sort of flow. flow yeah. you know, it, it should come fairly naturally and it shouldn't always feel like a chore. If it always feels like a chore, then you have to take a step back and ask and, and reevaluate, am I doing the right thing for me? Is the goal that I have set for myself appropriate for me? And does it sort of match me? Does that make sense? No, 100%. Yeah. Um, and then your, so your question was, what are three, three things that motivate me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing is people who have overcome adversity, mm-hmm. um, like yourself, people who have been through really, really difficult circumstances and they have managed not only to survive, but actually to thrive and to turn their tragedy into a triumph. Um, I think those success stories motivate everybody because it shows you something about, you know, the, the, the human spirit, mm-hmm. the mind may be weak, the, the, the body may be weak, but the human spirit is indomitable. The human spirit cannot be suppressed. And there is, there is no limit to what we can overcome. You know, if we are really willing, mm-hmm. uh, if we want to turn our lives around. So people who, who overcome extreme personal obstacles um and extreme is relative no matter how large or small right. the is. people who are able able to overcome it and transform their lives that's a huge motivation for me um the second thing is humility and modesty mm-hmm. and usually people are motivated by very grandiose things like tons of money or huge yeah. house or you know fame or whatever but I'm really motivated by people who are modest and humble, mm-hmm. um, even though they're incredible. So if somebody has a ton of money, but like you would never know it, or yeah. if somebody is in great shape, but they stay covered up all the time. Or like Warren Buffett, for example, he's got $80 billion, but he drives a Toyota Camry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like lives in a cabin in Nebraska or wherever he is, you know? Yeah. So it always, I'm always inspired by people who have accomplished incredible things in their personal lives, but are very humble about it and are modest about it and are pretty quiet about it. You know, Definitely, yeah. um, I always, I always really, I always really look up to people like that. Um, and let's see, what's the third thing. This is an interesting question. I, I, and I haven't thought about this in a while, you know, I think, my own goals motivate me. 
I think the, the things that I daydream about having motivate me because there was a time in my life where all of my goals were set by other people. They were set by college professors. They were set by what my parents said I should do. They were set by, you know, the culture that I come from and the religion and the background that I come from. And as I said earlier, I wasn't really motivated to accomplish those goals because they weren't my own goals. But now that I have these visions of like what I want in my life, and I dream about them and I write affirmations and I think about them in the morning when I wake up and in the evening before I go to sleep, you know, my own goals really motivate me and they inspire me to, to you know, wake up and, and actually put in the work. Um, oh, and then the last thing I'll say is, is I really look up to people who love what they do. Mm -hmm. Like whether you're a teacher or you're a baseball coach or you're a motivational speaker or you're a theoretical physicist, it doesn't matter. I'm always motivated by people who have this amazing passion mm -hmm. for what they do every day and people who feel like they've managed to turn their, their purpose in life into a career. You know, people who, who really love what they get up and do every day. That's, that's hugely inspiring to me. No, definitely. I feel like that's always like, we want to chase the dream. We want to live out our passion and everything like that. So I, I agree definitely to that too. Like, oh, you're passionate about this. Like, oh, that's just amazing when people are able to live out their dreams. Yeah. Um, and it makes me, it, like you said, it like inspires me like, oh, I want to do that too. So if, you, if you're passionate about something and you have found a way to monetize that and, you know, create a life out of it, that's, that's incredible to me. It's really difficult. Yeah, you know? for sure. So I hope, I hope for both of us, we'll be able to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and the next question, so the next question, I guess it could be, it could go two different ways because it now hearing more of your story and everything like that and knowing like you were the person that people came to for advice. The question was, what are the three uh, best pieces of advice that you've gotten? But if you want to, you can also flip it three best pieces of advice you could give as well too. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, mean, I keep switching the script on you, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you three, three of the best pieces of advice, um, that I practice mm -hmm. How about that. Um, some of them, nobody ever taught me, um, and I had to learn them on my own, you know, and, and some of the advice that I practice now and that I teach to other people was given to me directly by mentors and teachers. Mm -hmm family members and, and things like that. Um, I think the first one is a lesson about personal responsibility. Um, and the lesson is that no matter where you are in your life or what is going on in your life, good, bad, or ugly, mm -hmm. you are responsible. That doesn't mean that it's your fault right? And it's not about blaming yourself or, or feeling ashamed or feeling guilty, mm -hmm. but it means that nobody's going to clean up your mess, right? You know, like when your mother died, it was not your fault and you didn't ask for that and you didn't create that, but who was going to clean up the mess for you? Right. You had a choice at that time, you know, in your life or as your, as the years went on, were you going to be a victim to that and let that take you into the streets, into drugs, into jail, mm -hmm. into a life of misery, you know, in, into, it was, were you going to let that take you into an abyss? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Or were you going to find a way out of that and find a way to turn, as I said, your tragedy into triumph? Right. So, you know, I think avoiding the victim mentality and avoiding the entitlement that life is fair or life is easy, you know, in, in, in vo- avoiding being entitled to anything right. is hugely important because nobody can get what they want in their lives until and unless they take personal responsibility for where they are now and they decide that what I want in my life is in my hands to create. It's now in my control. If I change my thinking, if I make better decisions, then I can actually, you know, get what I want. Not all of the time, you know, but I think we have a lot more control over the outcome of our lives than we give ourselves credit for. And I think we also are terrified to look back at our mistakes and to keep ourselves accountable for them. Right. One of the stupidest things I hear people say is I have no regrets. And I'm sorry if you say that. No. <laughs> you know, people always say, oh, I have no regrets because at, you know, at one time I wanted that so I can't regret it. Yeah. That, that is just so asinine. Hmm. If you don't have any regrets in your life, then you haven't taken personal responsibility. Right. If you don't have any regrets in your life, then you haven't looked at yourself in the mirror and said, what did I do wrong? And how do I avoid that? And how do I make better decisions in the future? Definitely. Now, you don't have to hold on to those regrets to the point where it drives your self-esteem into the ground or you feel ashamed or you feel like you can never overcome it. But you've got to take responsibility over your own life because ain't nobody going to do it for you, Steve. Right. <laughs> yep. There is no magic genie with a bottle coming down to grant your three wishes. It's up to you. Yep. So that's, uh, that's, that's the first one. Um, the second one is more about relationships with other people, mm-hmm. which is that you cannot, you can have a desire to help another person and to contribute positively to other people's lives, whether that's your friend, your family member, your spouse, but you cannot fix or change a person. Mm-hmm. Only they can fix or change themselves and only if they want to. So often in relationships, you know, the, the, the reason that we become codependent with other people is that we want to create them into something. We want to mold them into what we want them to be mm-hmm. rather than either accepting them for who they are or not accepting them for who they are. We spend so much time trying to fit a person into our idealization of them you know, that we, we romanticize a person and then we try to actually mold them to that. We ask them to change their behavior. We ask them to change their lifestyle. We ask them to change the way that they communicate, right? Because we've created this picture in our head of who we want them to be. And then we are sorely disappointed every single time it doesn't work out because you've been trying to fit an apple into an orange hole. You've been trying to fix a person and change them and make them what you want them to be, rather than saying, I accept this person and I wanna be with them and they contribute to my life in a good way, or I don't accept this person, they're not for me, so you know I'm gonna move on. Now, of course, in every relationship, there are compromises and you gotta do certain things and they gotta do certain things so you can make it work. But fundamentally, you you can't change a person, only they can change themselves and only if they want to. Definitely. And look, I'm in the business of fixing people. 
like that's what I do for a living. But every consultation I have with a client, the first thing I'm trying to figure out is, is this person coachable? Do they want to change? Right. Do they have the will? Do they have the desire? Because I can give them all the advice in the world, mm-hmm. right? And I can really, really try to take away their pain and put their burden on myself. But if they don't have that willingness or desire, I'm never going to be successful. Right. And I'm always going to feel like a failure. And when you do that in your personal relationships, it's even more painful because you feel emotionally invested in, you know, in the success of that relationship. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I, <laughs> I wish, uh, 20 year old Steven could have heard that because <laughs> dating starting to date around that time you know there was relationships where I'm like oh I can fix this person I can but it it, it took me a while to realize like no it, it's 100% true it's it's up to that person like you said it balls in their court really yeah look I'm I'm still learning that lesson you know I even recently went through a relationship where I was trying to alter the person into what I wanted her to be, you know, Mm -hmm. and it still disappointed me and it still hurt me, you know? So this is a lesson that takes a lifetime to master. Oh yeah, for sure. It's incredibly important. Yeah. Three, three years married and I'm still, (laughs) still, you know, dealing with it and learning with it. So totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. Third best piece of advice I I practice or I've been given, or I, I try to give people is that, 100% of the time, your intuition is right. Mm -hmm. Whatever your heart tells you, whatever is in your gut is right. And you have all of the answers. However, our intuition is incredibly difficult to access because it is buried under so many layers of overthinking and doubt and self-flagellation, you know, and all of the issues that we've taken on over the years it's very very your intuition is sort of like a a treasure chest that is buried at the bottom of a sunken ship Hmm. in order to get to the treasure chest you have to remove all of the layers of of debris that have collected on top of that treasure chest over the years which is all of our problems but once you access your intuition it is right a hundred percent of the time you know so People always say, follow your gut, listen to your heart, you know, and it will lead you the right way. And that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just that it's, it's difficult to access what your intuition is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, you know, the thing with, with listening to your gut is a two-step process. First, you have to access your gut. You know, you actually have to find what your gut is, is telling you. And then you have to have the courage to act on it. You know, it's, it's not easy to follow your gut. It's not easy to listen to your intuition because sometimes what your intuition is telling you is right. Mm-hmm. It's directly contrary to what you want to do. You know, for example, if you've been in a relationship for three years and it's really not working out, but you feel anxiously attached to that person, right. your intuition is telling you, yo, this relationship is not right. Red flags everywhere. It's yeah. time for you to get out but your desire is to stay in the relationship because you've been in it for three years, mm-hmm. you're attached, you've built a life with this person, you're invested. So now what you want to do, the easy thing to do, your desire is in direct contradiction to what your intuition is telling you. But what I try to teach people is that if you can have the courage to act on your intuition, it will be right 
100% of the time. And that answer is already inside of you. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like that's a major thing too. Um, even thinking back, like elementary school, the teachers always joke like, you know, your first gut instinct is something that you go with if you're taking a test or something. Um, so I definitely agree and I can see why, but I also see the struggle. You have to make sure that, you know, this is this is truly my gut, not my desire, I guess. So um, yeah. that's a and tough. You have to, you know, sometimes the thing with overthinking and, and anxiety, mm-hmm. that they cloak themselves as our intuition. Yeah. Your intuition is not the same as your thoughts. Your intuition is not the same as your anxiety. Your intuition mm-hmm. is not the same as your overthinking. You know, your intuition is calm. It's peaceful. It's true. It's right. It's comes from your soul. It comes from right. your mind. You know, it doesn't come from your mind that is so fraught with emotion yeah. fear, and negative experiences and so forth and so on. So accessing your intuition is really difficult. And then so is actually acting on it and following yeah. it. But if you can do that, it will never let you down. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's really hard to do sometimes. I can see with people, uh, myself included, sometimes, like you said, that desire, that thought, you're like, oh, I'll go with this instead of what I know deep, deep down in my depths of my soul is the right thing to do. Um, yeah, totally get that. So um, I feel like those are all three great <laughs> uh, pieces of advice. Um, and I hope listeners take that to heart and um, run with it. I know I threw, I, I threw a lot at you there, but no, it was good. I would say, yeah, one is personal responsibility. Two is you can't change anybody. Mm-hmm. Three is always follow your intuition, always access it, no matter how difficult it is. Definitely. But like those are three really good ones, really important to um, live by. And so hopefully people take it and run with it <laughs> let me pull up people have questions about that stuff you know or, the, or there's something that is specific to their situation all of your listeners can reach out to me anytime and i'm always there to answer any questions no definitely we'll, we'll definitely get to that to let the listeners know where to find you not that sounds so creepy like social media wise not like yeah we, we but, can give my address to everyone. Yeah, here's his address, social security number, and his mother's maiden name. Go go have at it. <laughs> as long as they bring treats for my dog, they're welcome. Okay, yeah, that's how, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's who you really, you know, the way to people's soul is through their pets, <laughs> their fur babies. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, okay, we can talk. Did you bring a treat? All right, cool. Okay, I have to be honest. It has been a while and it literally just took me about three to four minutes to find my um (laughs) self-meditation book and i felt really stupid because i was like i thought i knew where it was it wasn't you know how that is sometimes when you're like i know this is somewhere in this general area and it ended up being literally right in front of my face but we're not gonna talk about that part so it's time to breathe and relax and reflect and let me find a good something (laughs) keep your mind still treat the outside world with serene acceptance remain absolutely calm and empty and then the one right underneath that says rise up with courage (laughs) 
yeah, be calm, accept everything, and be like, okay, cool. But then rise up with courage and be like, bitch, I'm courageful. Yeah, I like that. So, again, let's take a moment and breathe and relax and enjoy this meditation minute. All right. <laughs> I don't know why I went British there. All right, loves. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm back from break, spreading the sunshine, and Kevin will be back next week with part two of this interview where we play a quote-unquote game. You should know by now that my games are really uh, more of random questions spit-fired at my guest and they probably all hate me for it, but whatever. Um, I have some things in the works for ending up the year. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Again, you can follow me on social media at Sir Stephen Rice on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I've also been writing more, so like check out my writing and stuff and share it and let me know what you think. Um, not to brag, but I just want a contest, so thanks. Um, anyways, Black Lives Still Matter. They always have, always will. So again, that link will be in the description of the Google Doc to go help with that and everything like that. And also, um, you're beautiful and amazing and I forgot where I was going with that train of thought. Um, but yeah, again, thank you so much for everybody that reached out and sent um, positivity, loves, and prayers my way during um, the rough couple past weeks. I'm working on it um, mentally, physically, with my therapist and doctors and stuff like that. So again, thank you so much. Um, hang in there, guys. 2020 is almost over, but that doesn't mean that Little Miss Rona is just going to go the fuck away. So please, 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 please um, take precaution and everything like that. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be in much better shape in 2021 if we just stuck to that, you know? So thank you. Stay safe. You're beautiful. And until next time, have a fantastic day.